Well, good morning. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here this morning on our Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm so thankful for each of you who are here. We have a few announcements for you. Our marriage conference is coming up on October 28th through the 30th. That's in Destin, Florida. You can sign up for that online. There's more information in the lobby. Brother Randy would love to share more information with you. Also, our family fun day at Camp Grace is coming up next Sunday after worship. You can grab one of these flyers. It tells you what you need to bring um, and what we'll be doing. We'll be spending time and fellowship together. I shared on Wednesday night that one of the things that, that we have missed over the last two years is having fellowship together because of all that's taken place with the COVID-19. And so we are so excited to spend this time together on September 11th from 2 to 7 o'clock. Next Sunday, we have a new members class that will begin, and it will actually meet in here. Um, We are growing, and the room that we were using is going to be used for children's ministry, because that's in the children's hall, and so we're going to be in here. Love for you to be a part of that at 9 a.m. in the worship center. Senior adult road trip is coming up on uh, November 28th through Thursday, December 1st. You can get more information with Brother Randy in the back. And we also have, well, we have a lot of announcements this morning. We also have next summer um, our mission trip to Alaska. For those that are interested at the Go table, you can get more information um, from July 1st through the 9th. Not this Monday, but next Monday is our Grand Monday night kickoff meeting on September 12th from 6 to 7 p.m. We will not have prayer tomorrow. You know, we have our 12 o'clock prayer time here on on Mondays. Uh, We will not have that tomorrow due to Labor Day. And then one other thing that I want to make sure that I announce is that we have, uh, in February, the women's ministry will be going to a women's retreat. um, And you can get more information in the back. It's in New Orleans at the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. um, And Kelly Minter is the guest speaker. There's information at the events table. It was a lot of announcements. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin our time of worship today. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. And Lord, as we come into this place, may we have clean hands and a pure heart. It says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? For he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So, Father, as we come in here today, we want nothing more than your name to be glorified and lifted high. We want you to be our focus today. So, Father, may our hearts be prepared. And may we worship in spirit and in truth. Now, Father, we love you and praise you. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad that you came and chose to worship with us here at Luke 418 Fellowship. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to fill out the card that's in the seat back pocket right in front of you. You'll get a little bit more information about uh, Luke 418. We'd love you to do that. We had a lot of announcements today, but I got one more for you. There is a place for you in the choir. Okay. No, we're, we're preparing for our, our, Christmas, uh, our Christmas worship time this year. It is called Hope Has a Name. And I'll tell you. He has more than a name. He has a name that is above every name. His name is Jesus. And we're going to praise Him today. But if you would like to join us, 7.15 on Wednesday nights, 
uh, or no, six o'clock, six o'clock on Wednesday nights. And you can come uh, and do that here with us. We'd love for you to do that. Let's stand together. Why don't you say hi to someone next to you? And we're going to sing how great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the in our sin. He gave us salvation through His Son, and it is in Christ alone that we can stand today. Amen? Let's sing. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. Amen. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the 
continue in worship today. But before we do that, I would like to make an introduction. One of our co-worship leaders today is Mr. Josh Trimble. He's a student at the University of Mobile, a sophomore this year, studying worship leadership. And for over a year, he has been leading our students. He's been leading our college ministry in worship. And over and over and over again, the Lord has shown that he is for the furthering of the gospel with our young people and now today with the body of Christ and he will lead this song today. A doxalia gia praise for all of us together. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Praise his name, not just today, but before forever. Josh, would you lead us? I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled 
see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance by heavy song, Messiah's death and all of you sing with us together? Oh,
situation you are here we, we pray that you would just be near to us closer than a friend closer than a brother today Lord as we walk through this time of suffering and pain in a world that isn't perfect because of our own sin Lord we realize that today you are our only hope our only help but we know that you love us we know that you care for us to send your son pray that today we would receive him. I pray that we would not linger any longer but come to the altar of our hearts and say I need you Jesus because we know that you take care of us, that we are in the palm of your hand we know that you look after your creation and you look after us know us by name Lord and we are yours, amen
Amen. Mr. Nice, I could sit here and just let you play for the next two hours. And you know, I don't think anybody would leave early, but if I'm preaching, they, I'm just kidding. Uh, what uh, just an amazing talent that God has blessed Miss Denise with. And Aaron, I love how you uh, allow her to use that talent even in that moment to worship Christ and Christ alone. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for the last couple months. Uh, today we're going to finish the Beatitudes. Last week we looked at the last Beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. But then in verse 11 and verse 12, it kind of is this, this direct statement to the disciples. Now, the disciples are going to ultimately go through major persecution. We don't have time today, but you can do an exhaustive study of what happened to each of the disciples and the apostles and, and those who uh, were, were carrying the banner of Christ throughout uh, the book of Acts, as we see, and then even the epistles that have been written uh, by Paul and by Peter. Love for you to go and look at that. But here in verse 11 and 12, Jesus is, is just continuing this statement. So let's recap for just a moment. Last week, we looked at the last beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So last week we looked at what persecution is and that persecution is not simply uh, being martyred. We talked about how persecution is not simply being thrown in prison, but we also see that persecution comes even in the way that the world speaks to believers. You say, well, David, where are some examples in the scripture? Well, just think about Jesus. What happened to Jesus when he was being led to the cross? What happened to Jesus when uh, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees were telling him, you're casting out demons by demons. You, you're, and they were speaking all these things to him. So we see that persecution is not simply just uh, an act of violence or an act against somebody. But we also saw the reason that you're blessed for the persecution. Let me just remind you, there was two things specifically in verse 10 and verse 11 where it says that you are persecuted for righteousness sake and in verse 11 because of me. And who's me? Jesus. So we looked at what does it mean for righteousness sake? Let me just kind of recap that. Righteousness means in a short definition, the Christ life. Okay, Christ's righteousness is placed upon us when our sin was placed upon him on the cross. And so when we live out the Christ life, we live out a righteous life. So we talked about that it's about us living that life. And when we do, we will come in direct contrast to the world. And there's going to be times that you don't even say anything and people are going to be uncomfortable in your presence and it's not because of you. It's because of the power of Christ in and through you. It's because the light is shining in the darkness through your life. But I also shared with you last week a couple things that, that it's not saying in this passage. It's not saying that we're blessed are those who are persecuted for overzealousness. You remember that? We talked about how it's not saying blessed are you who are persecuted for the consequences of sin. 
I also share with you that the scripture is not saying here, blessed are those who are persecuted for a religious view or even a political view. But I want to be very clear here. People are persecuted all over the world for religious and political views. But this passage here is not saying, blessed are those who simply have a view. It's saying, blessed are those who are living a life of righteousness. Can I tell you that there's false religions all over this world that people are being persecuted for? Can I tell you that there's people who have political views that are unbiblical, that they're being persecuted for throughout the world? Church, what we see here is that this isn't about a view. This is about living a life of righteousness. Which is why I, I shared last week, and I even say again, but, but politics are a focus on the here and now. It's how a country that is temporal is governed. But Christianity is who you are in Christ. And God's kingdom is eternal. And it's focused in on what is eternal, and that is the souls of men. So church, blessed are those who are persecuted for living a life of righteousness. For living a life that is being filled by the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, church, that when you live a life of righteousness, it doesn't simply just affect your religious views and your political views. It affects everything about you. Everything in your life is changed because of what the Word of God tells us. So therefore, when we live righteously, it's not that we're being persecuted for all these other things. We're being persecuted because we are related, connected, Connected to Christ Jesus and Christ alone. All the views that I have in life come from here. And so when somebody says, well, where'd you get that view from? The Bible, and that's how I stand. It's Christ and Christ alone. But then in verse 11, he takes, Jesus takes this, this profound statement. He says, rejoice. And he doesn't just say rejoice, but he says, rejoice and be glad. You know, we talked about how this is that upside-down kingdom, right? Can you imagine Jesus saying, rejoice and be glad when you suffer, when you have persecution? The world can't understand that. So let's look today, and let's read starting in verse 10, and we'll read 10 through 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we ask that you would illuminate the pages today. We are dependent upon you to open our eyes, our hearts, to understand what is being said so, Father, we want to put ourselves in a place to hear. So we humble ourselves and ask you to speak in and through the word today so that we may walk in obedience. Father, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, it was interesting. I looked up this word rejoice, okay? And the root word is joy, right? Rejoice, the root word there is joy. And this is what Webster's Dictionary says. Now, let me just tell you, Webster's Dictionary is not the Bible, okay? Can I just get an amen? All right. So, Webster's Dictionary says 
that rejoicing or joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So if we take that understanding of joy, then ultimately when we read the scripture, it's saying that you are to rejoice, to have an emotion evoked by well-being or success in persecution. And so this doesn't make sense on a human level. It's Jesus speaking this upside-down kingdom. What they thought and what they see is different from what Jesus is speaking. Remember, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Wait, we wanted Jesus. We wanted the Messiah to come and to overthrow the Roman government. We wanted him to come and conquer. What? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are merciful. Wait, you mean to tell me that, that when somebody does something wrong towards us, we're supposed to forgive? We're supposed to show mercy? That, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wait, that doesn't make sense on an earthly mindset. But Jesus continues to show that the kingdom of God is different than this kingdom here on earth. Jesus not only speaks this, but he demonstrates it in his life. I'll show you just in one verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Many of you know the first part of that. Uh, But in verse 2 it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith, who for the what? Joy set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, for the joy. What's the joy? He is, first off, doing the Father's will. It was the Father's will that he came and that he died. And praise God, three days later, he rose again, setting captives free. And that was me and you, praise God. But for the joy, knowing that we would be set free. That through his sacrifice, that we could be reconciled to God. And not just reconciled to God, but also reconciled to one another. But see, the natural man, the fallen man, that's not who, that's not what he does. That's not joy and persecution. No, the natural man, what does he do? He resents. He retaliates. He becomes focused only on himself. But the spiritual man, the one who is born of Christ, born again, they rejoice. Now, I don't know about y'all, but every time I've read this, every time I've studied this as, as a young man, I would always say, okay, like, Difficult times come, persecution comes, i got to rejoice, i got to rejoice. And my mind says, i got to rejoice. I need to remind myself to rejoice in the midst of this. And many of you may be there too, but can I tell you that I think that we miss a step before that. And do you all know what that step is? To abide. To abide. Listen, when we abide in Christ, it says in John 15, we bear much fruit, right? Where does that fruit come from? The Holy Spirit. What does Galatians 5.22 say? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Wait, what's the next one? Joy. So if you as a born-again believer are rejoicing in the midst of persecution, it's not because you've worked that up. It's not because you've reminded yourself over and over that i got to do this, i got to do this, i got to do this. It's that you are abiding In God's word. It means that you're delighting in his word. It means that you are abiding, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and through you in that moment. 
Church, when we abide in Christ and in his word, we see the reasons why we rejoice. We see what God is doing in the midst of the persecution that's happening. We see how others are seeing Christ by the way that that we live in that moment. We see that God is working all things to good. When we abide and we dwell in God's word, we rejoice not in our own strength or in our own power, but by the Holy Spirit in and through us. Is this not what Paul was speaking to the Corinthians when he said this in 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10? He says this, he says, to another faith by the same spirit and to, wait, this is, and the other gift of the healing by the one spirit. Continue on. Nope, that's the wrong verse. I gave you the wrong verse in the back. But when he speaks about how our strength comes in our weakness, he is strong, right? In our weakness, God is the one who gives us the strength for us to walk through that. We see that the triune God is the one who is allowing the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of joy in and through our life. So church, when I tell you that we're called to rejoice in the midst of persecution or in James chapter 1, rejoice in the midst of trials and suffering, it's not that you're supposed to work this up. It's that we've got to abide and dwell and let God's word wash over us. And when we do that, let let me tell you, you'll be rejoicing even in the midst of the persecution. But then we see why we're called to rejoice Jesus speaks three things in verse 11 and 12 of why we're called to rejoice. We see first that we're called to rejoice because of me, because of Jesus. But let me just look specifically at verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So what do we see here? Why are we rejoicing? We're rejoicing because people have related us together with Christ. People are coming against us. Remember, they're not coming against us. They're ultimately coming against who? Jesus. If the world hated Jesus, they're going to hate us also. It's Christ in us that they don't like. And so when they persecute and say all these evil things about us, they are connecting us by what they're seeing with Christ. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 4, and jumping down to verse 13, it says this, But to the degree that you suffer, share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. And here, listen, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When, when people persecute you and say all evil things about you because of Jesus, it's because the Spirit of God is resting upon you. People are seeing the Spirit of God upon you by the way that you're living a life of righteousness. Let me explain it a little bit clearer. When people call themselves a Christian, you place the name of Christ upon you, right? You place the, you're, you're saying that you're a Christ follower, okay? I've already shared this a hundred times, but I, I, you know that I believe that when it says, thou shalt not take the Lord your God's name in vain, he's not just talking about God and using a, a last name or putting something else with God, but he's specifically also saying that when we live a life 
of the world, but yet call ourselves a Christian, we're taking his name in vain because we are putting his name upon us and living a life that doesn't reflect him. But think about this for a second. When you call yourself a Christian, you place the name of Christ on you. But the world's not going to persecute you just for calling yourself a Christian. They're going to persecute you when you live a life of Christ and you're calling yourself a born-again believer. Think about this. The world actually champions and likes it when people call themselves Christians and live just like the world. That's what they're pushing is, well, Christianity needs to be so acceptant to all. And so, so now Christianity really means this, this, and this. And it's all about the world and, and accepting the world's ways. And here's what's happening. They're not persecuting those people, but they're going to say evil things and persecute those who are living a life of godliness, calling themselves a born-again believer. Why? Because the Spirit of God rests on them, not on those who proclaim that they're a believer, but yet are living and practicing a life of sin. The Scripture even tells us that the deeds of the flesh are all these things in Galatians 5 and afterwards. It says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can call yourself a Christian all day long, but the proof is going to be in the Holy Spirit dwelling in and through you, submitting to the Lordship of Christ and the Holy Spirit bearing fruit through your life. There's a change. He also tells us that that. We rejoice because it shows that the world has connected us with Christ. But we also rejoice because we're like the prophets of old. It says, verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Church, we're in good company. We're in good company. Think about, we talked about this last week, Daniel, Moses. We talked about Jeremiah. We talked about David and and how Saul persecuted David. I mean, we could go on and on of how people of old persecuted. But you know what's interesting is we all want to see the lion's mouth shut, but none of us want to be in the lion's den, right? But Daniel stood strong and God did a mighty work. Church, when we are persecuted, we are in good company. Good company. And then the third thing that we see here, and the reason that we're rejoicing, is because we see that heaven is our destiny, or heaven is where we are are going. It says this, it says, for your reward is great. It says, for your reward in heaven is great. Now, we'll talk about this reward in a moment at the end today, but it says that it's in heaven. When we're persecuted for God's name, for God's, uh, because Christ lives in us, we're living a righteous life. We see that people have connected us with Christ. They're seeing the glory of Christ in and through us, His light. We are in good company, and it shows us and reminds us that heaven is where we're headed. This is why Paul, in the midst of persecution, can say, For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. This is why Paul said, It's hard for me not to want to be there and, and still be here, but there's work for me to do here. Paul recognized this. And church, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 speaks of that. 
You can write that down. Keep your mind focused on the things above. Church, if we miss, if, if we focus on the persecution, if we focus on the suffering, if we focus on the pain, we're not going to be rejoicing. But if we focus on the fact that God is with us, He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. And even if somebody in this world takes our life for the kingdom of God, praise God, we're with Him for all eternity. We gain. So we can rejoice even in the midst of the persecution. The world doesn't get it. But we do because we have his book, the Bible, the word of God that tells us and speaks to us and shares with us. So we see why we rejoice. Well, I wanted today to go a little step further into how we grow in the midst of persecution. In Romans chapter 5, Verses 1 through 5, Paul speaks of this, and really we'll jump to verse 3, just for time's sake. But Romans 5, verse 3, 4, and 5, he says, not only this, but we also exalt or rejoice in our tribulations. Now let me just stop there for a second. You may say, David, is tribulations the same as persecution? The word here, tribulation, when you look in the scripture and you kind of find where the words are being spoken, you see the same word in Acts chapter 11, I believe it's verse 19, when it says that due to the persecution, they were scattered. Now where did that persecution come? It was when Stephen was stoned, right? After Stephen's uh, stoning, the persecution They scattered. Now, you may say, David, you mean to tell me in the midst of persecution they scattered? Yes, and praise God. You know why? Because they scattered, they took the gospel all over uh, areas around and further. See, it wasn't that they scattered and hid. No, they scattered so they weren't just in one central location so that they knew where to come find them. They scattered and they began to share the gospel all around. That persecution led to missionaries going forth. That's the reason why they say the blood of the martyr is the seed to revival. He says, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and verse 4 perseverance proven character and proven character hope and then I love verse 5 and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has who was given to us so I want to look at this for, for a quick moment show you three things that are right there in that passage about how we grow in the midst of persecution First, we see that, that it brings about perseverance. Persecution brings about pers- perseverance. Church, I'm just reminded over and over as uh, I, I've ran triathlons in my life. And I just think about how the only way that I was able to get to the finish line was by continually practicing and training and persevering through the training that was building my my physical stamina enough to get to the finish line. Church, we can rejoice in the midst of persecution because God is growing us and he's building that perseverance inside of us. He also says that it's proven that perseverance brings about proven character. Going back to 1 Peter 4, 12-14, Peter says this in the first two verses of that, Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeals among you which come upon you for what? Your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Church, there's testing. 
There's persecution. And it's showing us who we truly are. Now let me just say this. God doesn't need for us to prove ourselves. God knows our heart better than we know our heart. God does not give us this testing and, and persecution so that he can say, okay, now I can check the mark. David has survived the persecution. He's good to go. Now he can enter the kingdom of heaven. No, he does it for you. He does it for me. Because when we walk through persecution, tribulation, or suffering, we see areas of our life that are not being submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Have you ever been through a difficult situation? Have you ever been through persecution or tribulation? And you said, at the end of it, you look back and you said, man, there's an area of my life that I'm obviously struggling in. And what do we need to do? We need to submit and abide and dwell. Church, God is allowing this for our good and for His glory. He's training. He's uh, giving us and showing us so that we may seek his face, and lay that down and look more and more like him. But then the third thing that we see here, we see that, that in this growth, we see that there's perseverance and proven character. But then I love this. It says, and that brings about hope. Hope. And it says hope doesn't fail. Now, here's the interesting thing. What's our hope in? Is it in our ability to stand firm in the persecution? No. Is it even in our training? No. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Now, I want to remind you that word hope in the Greek, it doesn't mean I hope that, and let me think of a good team, South Alabama wins the football game on Sunday. I can't say other teams because it will get everybody riled up. Um, But it's not that I hope that South Alabama is going to win a football game. That's hope on a worldly standard, right? Because we don't know whether they're going to win, right? We don't know. But hope here in the scripture means to know for sure. It means that that you know, you have an expectation that this is going to happen. And it says here that in our persecution, we can rejoice because we have hope and hope never fails. That word never fails actually means will not be put to shame. Those who have hope in Christ Jesus will not be put to shame. Church, we can rejoice in the midst of our persecution because we have hope in Christ. And because we have hope in Christ, we have his promises. Titus says that God cannot lie. So here he is giving us his promises and his promises will not put you to shame, will not fail. So think about this. In the midst of your persecution, in the midst of the suffering, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. In the midst of your suffering, he's working all things for your good. In the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your persecution, in the midst of the tribulation, He is provider. In the midst of the persecution, the suffering, and the tribulation, He is comforter. In the midst of the persecution and the tribulation and the suffering, He is strong, though we are weak. Church, I don't know about you, but when the enemy is meaning for harm, 
but my God is bigger and he's stronger and he has all authority, then whenever he allows me to go through persecution, suffering, or tribulation, it's because it is for my good and for his glory. And church, we can rest in that. We can rejoice in the hope that will not put us to shame. We can rejoice in the fact that hope will never fail. But then there's one more thing going back to Matthew 5 that we see in this passage. We see that we're rejoicing in the midst of our persecution. We understand why and what it shows us. We jumped over to Romans 5 to look at growth in the midst of persecution that's happening even now. And then the last thing that it speaks of is that there is a reward in heaven. Reward is in heaven. Let me go back to verse 12. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is in heaven or your reward in heaven is great. Now, I want to take a few moments on this reward um, because... The actual Greek there means your wage, your wage. But it's not your wage based on, okay, well, the more I'm persecuted, then the more I can, when I get to heaven, I can be prideful and and pompous and look at me. The only reason that we can stand in the midst of persecution, suffering, tribulation, is because of Christ in and through us. It has nothing to do with us outside of us abiding, dwelling, and delighting in Him. So what is this reward? I believe that it's twofold. One is that it's heaven. That it's heaven. Now, let me just tell you, heaven is heaven because that's where Jesus is. Like, we, we, we think of heaven and we try to figure out what it's going to be like. Let me tell you, heaven is heaven because of where Jesus is. And when we get to be there with him, there's no more pain, no more suffering, but it's because that's where he is. And we're with him and the righteousness of him is upon us. But there's a parable in Matthew 20 that speaks of the reward. And it speaks of explaining kind of how uh, this reward is given out. In this parable, it's the parable of the, the vineyard and the laborers. And in 20 verse 1 through 16, you can go home and read of this. But in Matthew 20, 1 through 16, the, the parable goes with the, the landowner went out in the morning and he hired different laborers. Well, then later in the day, he hired some more. Later in the day, he hired more. Until everybody had worked different amounts of time. At the end of the day, he gave each one the same wage. Or we can say here, the same reward. What was that reward in looking at the parable? What Jesus is saying is that there are those who are going to come to know Christ at a young age and they are going to devote their whole life from the age of seven all the way until they breathe their last. And there's going to be some that come to know Christ in, in their middle age. And there's going to be some that come to know Christ at their deathbed. The ones at their deathbed didn't have the time, like a kid at seven, to continue to work and labor for the harvest of Christ. But here's the beauty of it, is that all of them will receive the same wage, the same reward, And what is that? That's heaven. So when he's saying here that your reward is great, church, I can't tell you all about the reward. All I can tell you is that it's heaven. I can't fathom what it's going to be like. I can't fathom. Listen, being with Jesus face to face, I remember sitting there talking with Brother Fred months previous to his passing. 
And he would tell me, oh, I can't wait to see Jesus, my Savior, my Lord. Church, I'm telling you, we all want to know what heaven's going to be like. And there's many books, you can read all of them. But let me tell you, they don't know any more than what this book tells us. You can read all you want about it, but let me tell you, when we get to heaven and we see Jesus face to face, all those books you read are going to go to the wayside in your mind, and it's going to be fixed on Jesus. So we see that that the wage is the same, the reward is the same. But then there's this passage in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, I'll read this to you, it says... It says this, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I lay a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. It says, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, it says each man's work will become evident For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If a man's work which has been built on it remains, he will receive what? A reward. Okay? But if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as or yet so as through the fire. So we look at this, and what do we see? First off, the only foundation is Jesus Christ. When we look at this passage, we see that they both have the same reward, which is heaven with Christ for all eternity. But then there's this understanding that some build with wood, hay, and straw. Some build with gold and precious stone and silver. What happens to those? Gold, precious stone, and silver when the fire comes? They're refined, aren't they? What happens to wood, hay, and straw when the fire comes? They're burned up. And so there are some who are going to have built on the foundation with things that that are refined, and there's some that built on a foundation, and those things were burned up. So what do we take of this? Well, here's what, what we see, is that we are responsible for what we are doing now that we have come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are called to live a life every day for the gospel, for Christ. It's no longer about this earthly kingdom. Our whole life is about the kingdom of God. But let's be very careful. Because it's not saying there that those who have, uh, that have precious stone and silver and gold, it's not saying that they're going to be like, hey, look at me at all that I was able to bring. No. How were they able to build with gold? Precious stone. Only by Christ. Only by abiding. Church, I'm desperately dependent upon God for all things. Right now as I speak, I am dependent upon God to be speaking in and through me. And so there is no way that when I get to heaven, I can say, look at all these things that I was able to do. No, we say, thank you, Lord, for doing this in and through me. It's all yours. It's all yours. Is that not why Paul says this when he talks about in second timothy he's on his way out right he's on his way to heaven he's almost passing away and he says this in second timothy 4 6 through 8 i don't think i gave that to you in the back but it says this for i am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come i have fought the good fight i have finished the course i have kept the faith 
in the future there's laid up for me the crown of what? Righteousness. What is Paul's righteousness? But filthy rags. But when we are in Christ Jesus, we have the righteousness of Jesus applied upon us, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What is Paul saying? Everything that has happened in my life for the kingdom of God has been the righteousness of Christ in and through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I get to heaven, I get to offer back to God all that he did in and through my life. Church, what's the reward? The reward is is that we get to spend eternity with Christ. And that we get to lay everything that God did in and through our lives before him. For his glory. For his glory. Not for my glory. Not for your glory. And when we see Jesus face to face, you won't even have a thought in your mind of, oh, let it be about me. No, it's all about Jesus. So church, we close up the Beatitudes by recognizing that we can't live this out without the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us. We close this out that when we live the Beatitudes through the power of Christ, you will be persecuted. As Paul said, those who desire to live a life of godliness will be persecuted. And so church, today as we look at this, the only way that we can rejoice is if we're abiding, if we're dwelling in Christ, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and through us. And so I want to close with this passage, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Church, this momentary light affliction does not compare to the weight of glory of the reward that we have in Christ Jesus. So may we abide and dwell. May we delight in Christ's church. May we go forth and share the gospel, not fearing the persecution that will come. And it will come. Let us live the righteous life, not just speak about it. Let us show people the light of Christ by the way that we live a life of righteousness, not just by telling them. Now we're called to speak it as well. Church, may we realize that the reward is great. But may we also know that there are many in this city that if they were to die today, that reward would not be great. It would be agony and pain, as we've seen on Wednesday nights, talking about life and death. So may we recognize the importance 
of going forth and living a life of righteousness to share with all those around.